Why don't we stand to our feet all across the building? Why don't you lift your hands, lift your voice? Come on, there's a sweet presence of the Holy Ghost in this place. Come on, I believe God wants to take us a little bit further. Does anybody believe that with me? Come on, right now, why don't you stretch out your hand? Why don't you open up your mouth? Why don't you give God some praise like you have it all night? Come on, all across the building, lift your voice a little bit louder. Come on, let God know that you want him to speak to you tonight. Why don't you put your hands together all across the building now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I like what I feel in the presence of the Lord this evening. Amen. I, 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 I don't want to get caught up on preliminaries. Um, I feel the Holy Ghost is doing something special in this house. But I do want to give honor to your pastor, your pastor's family, your bishop and their family, and, and to this great church. This is a growing revival church, and I'm glad to be here with you guys. It's all right. Put your hands together. That's fine. This is a growing. This is a thriving. This is what all apostolic churches should look like. Amen. But I feel like the Holy Ghost is doing something special tonight. I, I am not confused and nor am I, I uh, I'm not ignorant of what I'm supposed to do tonight. Uh, I'm not here to tickle your ear. I'm not here to preach something that you've never heard before. Um, you have a pastor that, that is a theologian and a scholar. He, he can preach anything that I'd preach to you tonight and better. Um, I'm not here to do that tonight. I'm not here to give you something that, that will wow you, but I want to obey the Holy Ghost. Is anybody going to help me do that tonight? Is anybody going to help me obey God? I, I had a message prepared for tonight, and, and I thought I had direction, but as they begin to sing and the presence of God begin to fall, uh, I begin to feel God lead me in a different direction. And so if you have your Bibles reading from John chapter number 5, John chapter number 5, going to be reading through verse 2 to verse 9, John chapter 5, verse 2 through verse 9. The Bible says, Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches, and in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew he had been now a long time in that case. And he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Why don't we all say that? Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, Another steppeth down before me. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. And on the same day was the Sabbath. For the next couple of moments, I want to preach to you from the subject, A real problem needs a real answer. A real problem needs a real answer. Would you set your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands and your voice one more time and ask God that he would anoint me and that he would anoint you to respond to his word tonight? 
Come on, God's doing something special in this house. Why don't you try to connect with that spirit that's flowing right now? Come on, why don't you tell God you want him to work in you tonight? Come on, that's it. Why don't you put your hands together all across the building right now and why don't you put your voice with that? Come on, why don't you give that incredible God incredible praise? Come on, he's worthy and deserving of everything we can give him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The day in which we live in, there is a major paradox at hand. There is a major paradox at hand. If you're unaware of what a paradox means, it's defined as something absurd, something crazy, but when investigated may be proven true. A paradox that we're all familiar with is when the scripture says that when I am weak, then am I strong. When you hear that statement, you think about it, and the first thing that comes to my mind is something that's frail and, and fragile, and that if you maybe just drop it, that it would break into a million pieces. And you, you think to yourself, how could something weak be so strong? But we know when we begin to investigate this paradox, when we begin to study into it, that it's actually meaning we as humans in our fleshly state, when our flesh is at its weakest point, then the spirit and the power of God can begin to be at the strongest point in our life. So we know that, in fact, at our weakest point in our flesh, then we, in fact, are at our strongest point with God. And so we know that, that the paradox ends up being true because we really are strong when we are weak in our flesh. The world is at a major paradox, though, because they have built the biggest buildings uh, than ever before, and technology has grown to, to new heights and, and made new advancements. You, you can make a face-to-face -face call on your phone, and you hold the largest library in the world in the palm of your hands. The world is making advancements in all kinds of different things. The medical field, architecture, technology, all kinds of different things to try and help solve the world's problems. They've made all kinds of advancements, and, and though they made all these advancements, advancements, still people do not have an answer to their problems. The stressed out are still looking for peace and the depressed are still looking for happiness and the pill poppers still looking for relief and the suicidal are still looking for a better life. The world has not discovered the answer to life's problems, though all these advancements have been made. Just to give you a little bit of statistics on what I'm, I'm talking about, one in six Americans are on pills for depression or anxiety. The suicide rate in the United States of America is at the highest it's been in 30 years. I've come to tell you tonight that the world does not have the answers to life's problems. The world does not possess the power to have the answer to life's problems. And we as the church of the living God must realize that, that they don't have the answer to life's problems. Because if so, we'll find ourselves being guilty, going out into the world and searching for an answer to the problem that we're suffering with. But we have to come to an understanding that the answer's not out there, but it's down here at an altar of repentance. We have to understand that we serve the answer.
The Bible says that it's in him that we live, move, and have our being. I wonder if there's anybody on a Sunday night that could say, you know what? I know I serve the answer, and I'm glad about it. I'm not searching for another. I wonder if there's anybody in Bakersfield tonight that could say, I've been in the valley, and he's brought me out. I've been stressed out of my mind, and he's been faithful to me. We can't allow ourselves to be caught up in the, 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 the haze of the world that, that you're going to find your answers in life's, in the world's power and in the world's might because the scripture says that it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I've come to preach this not a simple little thought that you're not going to find your answer anywhere else but in the house of God. You're not going to find your answer anywhere else but at an old-fashioned altar of repentance where you can connect with that spirit that'll give you an answer to every problem that you're going through. John chapter 5, my text, we read about a man who was sitting at a pool of Bethesda. The Bible tells us that he had been there for 38 years. He was waiting and hoping to get his answer, but time just kept slipping away. Jesus comes to Jerusalem, and the Bible says that he saw the man, and he knew that he had been in that case for a long time. Let me stop right here and remind somebody that Jesus knows exactly where you are. The enemy will try to come sit on your shoulder when you're in the midst of turmoil and chaos and try to convince you that God has forsaken you and that God has left you and you're sitting in the valley of the shadow of death by yourself. But I like to remind myself what David said. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Let me tell you about a shepherd that will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me tell you about a You need to tell the devil that he's a liar, that your God will never forsake you. David said it like this, I was young and now I'm old. Still have I never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. I bet you there's some testimonies in the building that could say, I found myself in some traps. I found myself in some snares, but God has never forsaken me. Jesus knows exactly where you are. The Bible says that he's Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's with you in your valley, and he's with you at the mountaintop. Don't believe the lies of the enemy that will tell you God has forsaken you. Jesus, he comes to this man, and, and he asks this man that had been there for 38 years a question. We read that question together. It was, wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou be made whole? That word whole in the Greek doesn't just mean putting all the pieces together where it's now one piece. But in the Greek, it means sound. 
Jesus was coming to this man that had an infirmity 38 years. And he was not just worried about his physical appearance and his physical mix-ups and mistakes, but but he was interested in in touching his internal part. He was interested in touching salvation. He said, I don't want to just heal your body, but I want to give you a sound mind. I want to give you peace of mind. I want you to have some peace when you lay your head on your pillow at night. I want you to I want you to understand that I'm not just here to heal your physical body. But you know what I I know you've been here for 38 years and your your faith has probably taken some hits and and you're probably you're probably stressed out of your mind about about how you're going to continue living and and you're probably worried about all kinds of things but Jesus said I want to come and I want to make you whole. I want to touch your inner internal parts and your external parts. I want to give you salvation and I want to give you a physical healing in your body. Jesus was interested in making this gentleman whole. But what caught me as I was reading this and just passing by in devotion was the man's response. God robed in flesh is standing before this man who, who had been searching for an answer for 38 years. And when he asked him, will he be made whole, he doesn't respond immediately, yes. And that caught my attention. I begin to look at it and read it over and over again until until something grasped me. The man responds, he says, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in. You see, the reason he did not respond immediately to God robed in flesh is because like so many people in the world today, he thought his answer was going to come from somewhere else. He said, I have no man. You see, he thought his answer was in, was in another man picking him up and taking him to a pool, failing to realize that God, robed in flesh, was standing before him, saying, I can, can take care of your problems. You know those things you've been struggling with and battling with? You know those, those problems that are very real that you need a real answer to? He said, I can take care of them. But the man failed to realize that that the answer was standing before him. And I read this and and I shook my head and wagged my finger at this gentleman that that, that had been in this case for 38 years. He, he had wanted an answer so bad, but he just, he just, he just didn't know where it was going to come from. And, and I, I kind of looked down on him scornful, and it was like God just smote me. He said, you know what, you look down on that man and You say, how could he reject the answer to all of life's problems while it's standing in front of him? He said, but you know what? There's been services where where you've come into my presence and and a move of God begins to happen like we had tonight and and you sit there with your arms crossed and you've got real problems because we're humans and where there's humans, there's going to be problems. And he said, you'll sit in the pew and my presence will come and it will brush up against you and say, do you want to be made whole? You know those problems you've been struggling with and the situations you've been battling. Do you want me to give you some rest? And we sit there with our arms crossed and allow the answer to pass us by. You know what my prayer is, is that when I get to heaven, I could stand before God and he could look at me and tell me, you've got everything you can out of every service you've been in. 
There's not a service that goes by that I don't want to latch on to the presence of God and draw close into it that he could fix my problems and that he could work on situations that I'm struggling with. Yes, the man, do you want to be made whole? The man failing to realize that and his answer was standing before him. And you see, God will, God has given us free will. From the very beginning of time, that's why he created a garden and, 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 and put a, a tree right in the middle of that garden. Because if there's not a, an open door, then you're living in prison. And God doesn't want us living in prison. He, he wants us to choose by our own free will to serve him. And so God will allow you. I want you to get this. God will allow you to sit in your problems and to sit in your mess and to sit in the chaos of your life until you say, God, I want you to help me. He's a respecter of persons. He's not going to force himself to be the answer in your life. He wants you to willingly and freely say, God, I need you to touch me right now. God, there's some things that I've really been battling and struggling with, and I need you to be my answer. He'll allow you to sit that chaos and sit in that life full of stress and full of hurt and full of pain. Until you make up your mind, God, I need you to be my answer. You know what God is looking for? God is looking for somebody with the spirit of Bartimaeus. God is looking for someone with the spirit of Bartimaeus. In Mark chapter 10, we read the story of Bartimaeus. And, and Bartimaeus has been preached many times. And, and people have pulled all kinds of different things out of the story of Bartimaeus. But, but there's one particular thing I want to point out to you tonight. Bartimaeus, we know he suffered from blindness. And, 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 and he was a blind, broke beggar that sat by the highway side. And, and the Bible tells us that Jesus was leaving Jericho. And, and he, there was a great number of people that were following him. The Bible says that Bartimaeus was sitting there and he heard this commotion that was passing by and, and we know that, that, that he's blind and so that he, he relies on only what he can hear. Bartimaeus sitting there in his problems of life, he, he hears them crying out, Jesus of Nazareth. They're crying out, Jesus of Nazareth and Bartimaeus I'm sure like this man that had been there for 38 years had been searching for a pro an answer to his problems. And, and when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, the Bible says that he began to cry out. Bartimaeus was not going to hold his peace as the answer was passing by. And so Bartimaeus began to cry out. But I want you to notice something. And that Bartimaeus did not cry out what everybody else was crying out. He heard everybody else, and, and it said that they were saying, Jesus of Nazareth. They knew where he was from. 
But when Bartimaeus began to cry out, he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You see, you've got to understand that Bartimaeus had a revelation of who he was, not just where he was from. And so he knew that the answer's passing me by. He knew that there was a prophecy about someone that was going to come through the lineage of David that was going to be the Messiah and the Savior of the world and was going to wash the sins of the world away. And so Bartimaeus is sitting there in his problems and in his turmoil, and he made up his mind. I know the answer is passing me by, and I'm not going to sit idly by. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to cry until he stops. I'm going to get up. Come on, I wonder if there's a Bartimaeus in the building that just don't mind shouting out the name of Jesus right now. Come on, you ought to shout it again. You ought to shout that name until something happens. The Bible says that Bartimaeus cried loud, and they begin to tell him, Bartimaeus, hold your peace. Bartimaeus, be quiet. Quit all that screaming. You know why? It's because they didn't have a revelation that he was the answer. You need to be careful about people that always tell you, don't take all that. It'll take all that shouting. It'll take, it'll take Sunday morning and Sunday night and, and midweek and prayer. It'll take all that. You can just love God. Why? It's because they don't have a revelation of who he is. They don't see him as the answer to all of life's problems. Bartimaeus, he understood this is my chance to get the answer to every problem that I've struggled with in life. And Bartimaeus made up his mind, there's nobody that's going to hinder my shout. There's nobody that's going to stop me from touching my answer. And he cried out and he cried out until the Bible says that Jesus stood still. I'm telling you, you can get Jesus to stand still tonight and look at your problems and all it takes is an outstretched hand. But you've got to make up in your mind, I'm not going to stop until I get a response from Jesus. I'm not going to stop. Come on, let's pray right now. Come on, let's entertain the presence of the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Come on, lift your voice right now. Come on, lift your voice right now. God's touching problems. Come on, God is touching needs in this house right now. Come on, we want to obey the Holy Ghost tonight. Come on, we want to obey the Holy Ghost tonight. Come on, that problem you've been struggling with, you can get your answer tonight. That situation that seems hopeless, you can get some hope tonight. Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus made up his mind that I'm not stopping until Jesus stops. 
I'm telling you, if you could get that tenacity in your life, there's no giant in hell that can stop you from getting the answers to all life's problems. There's no circumstance in your life big enough to stop you. If you can make up in your mind that everything I come against, I'm taking it to Jesus, and I'm going to keep on pushing and keep on pressing until he responds to me. It doesn't matter if service after service. You see, the woman with the issue of blood teaches us a valuable lesson. Sometimes you'll come into the house of God and God touches you. But then other times you come into the house of God and you got to touch God. You see, because there was a whole bunch of obstacles in between her and God. And sometimes you'll come into the house of God and there'll be problems in your life that'll haunt you. And there'll be situations in your life that'll be obstacles between you and God. And you have to make up in your mind, tonight I'm going to touch God. There's not going to be anything that stops me. There's not going to be anything that hinders me. Bartimaeus made up his mind. I'm not, I'm not stopping till I get my answer. The Bible says that Jesus called him near. And Bartimaeus was healed. The blindness that he suffered from. You see, but, but one of the things about Bartimaeus that we have to understand, and one of the things about our problems that we have to understand is that, is that if you want the answer to the problems you're suffering from. You've got to be willing to lay some things down. Because the Bible, the Bible says that when Bartimaeus was called by Jesus to come unto him, the Bible says that he took off his beggarly garments. And then he went and followed Jesus. You see, you've got to make up your mind that you don't want to live with your problems anymore. And that you want to lay them down at the altar to Jesus. The Bible says that it will give you beauty, but it's only for your ashes. That word for means exchange. If you want beauty, you gotta lay down the ashes. If you want joy, you gotta lay down the mourning. There's gotta be an exchange between you and God where you say, God, I'm casting my cares towards you. Why? Because I know you care for me and I know you'll give me my answer in return. You've gotta make up your mind that I'm willing to give up whatever I gotta give up to achieve my answer. But Emmaus took off his beggarly garments, and he followed Jesus. There's another story in the Bible, very, very popular, the story of Mary and Elizabeth, Mary being the mother of Jesus and Elizabeth being the mother of John. We know that they were both spoken to by the angel Gabriel about the birth that was going to be conceived in both of them. We know closely related that after they found out this news that Mary was coming to visit Elizabeth and as she was making her way to Elizabeth, she began to draw closer and closer to her. And the Bible tells us that John in the womb of Elizabeth as, as, as the Messiah in the womb of Mary got close, the Bible says that John leapt in his mother's womb. There was something in John that responded to the answer being nearby. 
John had a revelation that, that the Messiah was nearby, and there was something about that that caused a response in John to leap in his mother's womb. John, just as a fetus, had a revelation of who Jesus would be. He would be the Son of God, God robed in flesh. He would be the answer to every one of our problems in this building tonight. And John had that revelation from that young age. But you see, life, life began to take its toll on John. John, the forerunner of Christ, he, he was the baptizer of men. He, he traveled. He, he lived in the wilderness surviving off of locusts and, and honey. He was different, and, 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 and there was a lot of uh, opposition that came against him because how different he was. But, but John had a revelation of who Jesus was, so John kept pushing and pressing forth. But, but you see, life began to afflict pain on John, and circumstances began to take its toll on John. And that happens to us today. We, we can come into a service like tonight and, and we can feel that real power of God and presence of God as they, they sing for the glory of God. And, and we know without a shadow of a doubt that he's real. But, but you see, you can go out of these four walls and life can begin to take its toll on you. Life can begin to punch you in the mouth, mess you up, and, and get you confused. And that's what happened to John because we, we see John later on in life and the Bible tells us that John is sitting in prison. And John is maybe feeling defeated. He's sitting there and the Bible says that he calls his messengers near. John, the same one that had a revelation of who Jesus was, was afflicted by life and he's now in a prison and He's sitting there and he calls his messengers over and he says, I, I got something I need you to go tell Jesus. I got a message for you to send Jesus. Okay, what do, you, what do you want to tell him, John? He says, I want you to go ask him a question. He says, I want you to go ask him, is, he, is this he that should come? Or am I looking for another? The same John that had a revelation that Jesus was the answer to life's problems. Is the same one that allowed life to afflict him so much that he's now sitting in a prison questioning whether Jesus is the answer to life's problems. I'm telling you, I know without a shadow of a doubt that majority of everybody under the sound of my voice has been in that circumstance right there. You know you have a revelation that Jesus is the answer, but... But life just takes a toll on you and, and you don't have the money for the bills that are coming up. Or maybe your life's in chaos and, and your family's all, all straight apart and you're losing your mind and, and you, you, you don't have the answer. It seems like Jesus is a thousand miles away. You're sitting in your life's circumstances and in life's prison and, and, and you just, God, are you really the answer? Or am I looking for another? Are you really the one that's going to help me out of this situation? Or do I need to look for, for it in the medicine or, or in the therapist? Or where am I going to find my answer? 
So the Bible says that those messengers come to Jesus and Jesus with a multitude of people and his disciples, they, they come and they say, Jesus, John has given us a message that he wants us to ask you a question. He wants to know, are you the, the one that should come or does he need to look for another? Jesus, he, he's, I could see him just, come on boys, follow me. Bible says that Jesus walks over to, to the blind, to the lame, to the halt, to the deaf. Those messengers of John following him, and he begins to lay hands on them. And the blind receive their sight. The lame begin to walk, and the dumb begin to talk. And he's performing these miracles in front of these messengers. And Jesus turns around back to those messengers and he tells them, I want you to go tell John about everything you've seen and everything you've heard. Because you see in life's prisons and in life's circumstances that are beating you up, it feels like the answer's a thousand miles away. It feels like Jesus is no longer working and he's no longer moving. But I like the way that song says it. It says, when, when you don't feel it, he's working. And even when you don't see it, still moving. And even when you don't think it, guess what, John? I'm still the answer. And you know what God's trying to speak to you tonight is that in life's prisons and life's circumstances, when you're sitting there and you're questioning, God, are you going to get me out of this situation? Are you going to be my help? He comes to this preacher to tell you that even when you don't see it, he's moving. And even when you don't think it, he's still... I wonder if there's somebody in the midst of a problem and in the midst of a situation that says, I'm thankful that God is still working. Come on, lift your voice right now. Come on, God is moving in your situation. God is still working and still moving. I know it don't look like it in life's prisons. I know it. Musicians, you can come. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm speaking to someone in the Holy Ghost right now. You need to hear me. I know you're full of doubt and you're full of confusion, wondering where that, that God that has been the answer to all life's problems is. And you're sitting in the middle of life's prisons, but they sent this preacher to tell you, God is working on your behalf. God has not forsaken you. Come on, pray right now. Pray right now. Come on, as you're praying, the answer's coming. Come on, as you're praying, the answer's standing still. Let's stand to our feet all across this building right now. Listen to me. God has made me a believer 
out of him this last year. I'm telling you. God has proven to me in ways that I could have never explained to you how much he really is the answer to all our life's problems. This afternoon at lunch, what got me thinking about it, Sister Bradford asked about my sister. And, and, and I, many of you know majority of my family, but I have two older sisters. Both of them were at 238 this last year. And, but one of my sisters, as, as a young teenager, she just straight away from the path began to live a life of turmoil and a life of hurt and pain and struggle. And raised in a good home, good parents, good support system, but just made the wrong choices and began to journey in life down a, a dark road. And I could remember being a young boy, just always just on my tippy toes being around her because of the hostility that would come off of her. The sin and the chaos that she was living in would bleed over, would try to affect me and my family. And, and I could recall many days and her and my parents arguing and fighting and her just being out of her mind. Drugs and alcohol taking its toll on her life and causing her not to think regular. She would come in and out of our life all throughout my childhood and preteen. Finally, it seemed like she just vanished off of the map and would never see her but maybe Christmas or Thanksgiving or something like that. She would show up and was telling brother and sister Bradford she would have scars Stitches coming from the top of her forehead down to underneath her eye from being jumped and beat up and just being involved in things that she shouldn't have been involved in. It just seemed like she was just so, so distant and so just far gone. If I'm being truthful tonight, there was something in me that kind of... Gave up hope of her ever returning home. Something in me, a little bitterness and anger towards her for the hurt that she had caused my family. It planted a seed in my heart and she'd been gone for a long time and I was in Louisiana preaching and come out of the church and my dad had called me and to sit in the car and I was talking on the phone with my dad and and I'm telling you, I get emotional every time I talk about it. Begin to tell me she had called them from the jailhouse and she's crying and she was telling them, I'm tired of living the way that I'm living. I'm tired of dealing with the things I'm dealing with. She said, I don't know if, know if God's the answer. She said, but I'm willing to give it a try. So my dad was telling me this, and he said, so we're going to go get her, and 
going to bring her home and we're going to try to help her. And, and my immediate response was, are you serious? Again? You're going to give her another chance. Time and time again, she had inflicted hurt and pain. As I watched as a young boy on my parents and heartbreak and hurt and chaos and turmoil in their lives. And I just sat in that parking lot of that church and I said, are you serious, Dad? Again. That phone that he was holding began to shake. I was looking at it and he was shaking and he was crying. He said, you don't know this, but this is an answered prayer. He said, your mom and I had been praying night after night, God don't allow her back in our lives until she's ready to change. He says, you might not know it, but it's an answer to our prayers. And he said, we're willing to do whatever we can to see it through. I said, okay, I'm for it. Whatever you guys want to do, I'm for it. I'm here to help. Week went by and I was preaching that Sunday and finished preaching. Went down at my phone and there was a picture of her covered in tattoos with her hands lifted at the altar and tears flowing down her eyes. And there was something that rose up in me. It was all, all the doubt that I had, all the unbelief that I had that, that God could be the answer in her life. Tears began to flow and something began to come over me. I just started praying and thanking God. You might have seen her at Acts 2.38. She was standing over here with her hands lifted. Her voice raised and speaking in tongues. And, and she hasn't stopped there, but she, she began to change the way she looked. And she even started inviting people. And there's been over four people that have come to the church, been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost because of... I'm telling you tonight, Jesus is the answer. It don't matter whatever situation you're going through. It don't matter whatever's coming against you. Jesus is the answer. Come on, lift your voice right now. The answer's in the building. Come on, the answer's in the building. Come on, that thing that you've lost hope of, that stuff you have doubts about, God can be your answer. I don't know. Please excuse me if I'm out of order. You know what I feel of the Holy Ghost? God wants us to have an old-fashioned prayer meeting where we come to the feet of Jesus and we bow down and we, we throw all our problems at his feet and, and he begins to respond as the answer in our lives. Come on, I'm speaking to someone in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm speaking to someone of the Holy Ghost, that thing that, that you thought God wasn't going to work on, God's going to start working on it. I wonder right now if they could just dim the lights all across the building.
you could confine yourself a place to pray at this altar and that thing that you've lost hope of, that thing that seems so far away from the hands of God, if you'll once again lay it down at his feet and watch him be the answer. Come on, we're following after the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, we're following after the Holy Ghost. God wants to be the answer in your life tonight. <laughs>